Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number eight, coming at you on Wednesday, March 31st. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Sam Ehrman, Matt Nine, and Andrew Woodruff. Got an exciting show for y'all today. Uh, Some big trades went down in the NFL. We are going to discuss and dissect those trades. We are going to talk about our biggest uh, risers and fallers of free agency. And is the T. Higgins hype getting out of control? We'll answer that question. And we're also going to take a dip into the Ravens passing attack after their somewhat failed free agency, only adding Sammy Watkins in terms of pass catchers. Uh, And then, of course, we have to touch on the exciting news of the new 17-game schedule. But first, I want to remind you all to please visit patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Show us some love. Sign up for our Patreon. So much great content over there. Go check it out. Let's get into the show. start just briefly do you guys have any thoughts on the 17 game schedule i know we were kind of discussing a little bit before we hopped on live here so what do you guys think how you feeling about 17 games matt i don't know if i like 17 games i like three preseason games i think it's always should have been that maybe even two um but i don't know i'm not opposed to it but i'm not for it i mean i'm indifferent I, as somebody who's been around where it's like 16 games, that's a lot of games. And to make it another week, like, I don't think, like, a lot of times, like, people are like, oh, you get to go play another game on Sunday. You should be happy and celebrating. But you're missing the 4 a.m. lift, the 6 a.m. team practice. You're missing the travel. You know, like, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes. I think people are forgetting I I'm not opposed to like more Sunday football as a fan, but as somebody who like when you're there and you're the guy like doing the coaching and those sorts of things, like 16 takes a huge toll on you. And I think it's going to be a rather large adjustment. And I think that it's going to be bad for fantasy purposes. So um, I, I'm, I don't love it. Um, I think guys will get worn out more often. You know, we can see more, committees and those sorts of things to keep guys fresher. So I think for fantasy, it might actually be bad, but you'll get another week of it. So I guess you you get both pros and cons out of it. I did see that they were potentially something down the road. Then I'd be more in favor of it if they had a second bye week. Then then I think it would be good if you, you know, had a bye week within the first eight and then a bye week in the back eight. I think that would a nice split like that. I'd, I'd be in favor of that. Yeah, I must say I've heard about that part. I don't know if they're going to end up doing it. But, Sam, you actually brought up a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, if you are one of those teams going on very little depth and just all mega superstars as your starting team and you're just hoping they stay healthy, that might be actually something you want to go ahead and start looking into and get that extra depth. I know um, if you're in a fantasy dynasty league, you might already want to start reaching out to your commissioner 
asking, hey, what's the game plan? If we had an extra season, extra game for the season, we're going to play an extra uh, regular season game. We're going to expand the playoffs, whether it's number of teams or how long it goes on. It's just there's a lot of factors into this. So it's good to go ahead and start those conversations now. Yeah, it's just uh, for fantasy, it's important to be thinking about how you want to handle that extra week. If you want a two-week championship matchup, an extra extra game in the regular season, or just kind of push everything up or how you want to handle that. But um, let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of the show Starting out with the big trade that sent shockwaves through the NFL as the 49ers traded all the way up to three with the Miami Dolphins who traded back to 12. Then the Dolphins proceeded to trade up to six with the Eagles falling back to 12. So some interesting moves here. Uh, what do we what do we think of these moves? What do we make of them and and kind of the NFL and fantasy impact? Sam, let's uh, kick it over to you. Well, first. The 49ers, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, they got their guy, you know, they know who's going one, they know who's going two. I mean, if you're part of the Patreon, um, I was talking to a scout last night and I kind of dropped a little tidbit there about what the 49ers want to do. So I think for a fantasy perspective, um, San Francisco, they're getting in themselves a mobile quarterback. Um, I think that's going to open a ton of avenues for the offense. Um, I don't think it'll be 2020. I do think when they say Jimmy G is our guy for this year, um, um, I'll just say this now, this is supposed to be the inside corner, but, um, it kind of just, it's just kind of just happening. So I'm just going to let it happen. The plan is, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo is let him start, um, and let him play some games and hopefully win a few games and get his trade value to go up. And then as, um, you know, their young buck is ready to go and ready to play, they would hopefully ship him off and then let him filter in similar to what they did with Alex Smith, whether it takes a full year, whether it takes, you know, six, seven weeks, that's their plan is that, you know, they want Jimmy G to be their guy. And um, if he's playing well, hopefully use that against teams. So, and kind of cash out that way and maybe find a suitor, you know, I mean, like if, you know, Drew Locke isn't panning out by then, maybe they can go for Drew Locke or, or Jimmy Garoppolo trade or something like that. So, that that was supposed to be inside corner. You got it early, um, but that's their plan. And I, if you are part of the Patreon, you know who they were talking about. Um, for the Dolphins, um, I love it. You know, I mean, reload to get a bunch of ammo and get two of some help. Um, there was an inside information report about the Eagles or the Dolphins last time on the Patreon as well. It, both of these are just coincidences about Tua um, and what you should expect with that moving forward. But the Eagles is the one that I'm most intrigued about because really what they did was they moved back and then um, got a bunch of draft picks that they can use to fill a bunch of holes because I think everybody knows they have a bunch of holes. And then the fact that the Eagles traded back and then traded back up, they really, the Eagles really moved back like six spots and then picked up a first round pick by doing so when they traded back. So, and then when they traded back forward. So I think, you know, for fantasy impact, I think, you know, the 49ers, it's pretty obvious. They got their guy. Um, the Dolphins get two of some help. The Eagles get Jalen some help. Um, and really, I mean, there's nothing more to read into it than that, in my opinion. Sam, can I ask a quick follow-up question before we 
uh, kick it to the other guys. Uh, in terms of Garoppolo, yeah. he's, I believe he's a free agent after the year, right? So how are they going to flip a guy in Garoppolo midseason? That's I don't, I don't know what his contract is. Um, but tip, like, can you double check what his contract is? But I thought he was under contract for a few more years. But that's yeah. still not. This. I'm looking on our NFL database that we have now. It has all that fantastic information available. Well said, Matt. And he is, he does have one more year before he's a UFA. Okay. So you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, his contract and the crazy thing is, is his contract now is pretty moderate compared to some quarterback contracts. Like when he got signed, it was a rather large deal, but now it's middle of the road. It's affordable for teams. So the, they will probably have a suitor if he's healthy and playing well, because he's highly regarded throughout the league. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. He just can't stay on the field. And with Kyle Shanahan, you get three strikes, you're out and he struck out. So that's why they're moving on. Yeah. A quick note on him too, for if they were to trade him, the trading team would acquire his new contract for 2022. He only has a dead cap of 1.4. So you could essentially pennies. Yeah. You could, a a team could essentially buy him for the last, you know, eight, nine weeks of the season and then cut him at the end of the year for almost nothing. Uh, no hit whatsoever. So what do you go ahead, Matt? What do you, uh, what do you make of the whole, all the trades? Uh, Um, for the 49ers, it's interesting. Uh, Sam alluded to, they, they seem to have locked in on their guy. Um, I'm curious. I, I wonder if he becomes the 101 for some people in, in super flex drafts. Um, I know Trevor Lawrence is, is going to Jacksonville. That kind of seems like a foregone conclusion. And uh, with the 49ers, though, just Shanahan's offense is so quarterback friendly. It really doesn't matter who's back there. So, I don't know. I wonder. I definitely think there's a debate there. Uh, the Dolphins moving back uh, and then jumping back up. I don't. I don't understand why you're coming back up unless you're coming back up to get an offensive weapon. Uh, I don't think they're taking Kyle Pitts, and I, I don't think if I believe that the Bengals are taking Chase. I don't think that Chase is a good fit for the Dolphins. Um, Tua needs a guy who's a speed guy. Uh, someone who he can visibly see, you know, from 40 yards away that he's open. Uh, so I think, I think the, for the dolphins, I think it's Waddle or Smith there. Uh, I'm leaning Smith. And then for the Eagles, it's, it's a vote of confidence for Jalen hurts. I mean, we saw the initial report that was then uh, later rescinded from Ian Rappaport. I uh, put out a little, you know, uh, amendment to it that the Eagles poked around Zach Wilson. They liked him. And for them, it was, Hey, we're going to call the, Called the Jets, called the who? Who was at three? I forget who was at three. Dolphins, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Uh, you know, in, inquiring about you know, is there a chance Zach Wilson is there? From my understanding, they didn't make an offer. It was a little bit like you know, me uh, calling up Sam. Hey, uh, what would it cost if I were to you know, in theory, want you know this player? And then you know they got you know yeah we're taking Zach Wilson. Sorry, don't even bother. So then they traded back. So. For me, we have to assume that they had Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were the only two quarterbacks in this class that they had rated than uh, higher than Jalen Hurts. Otherwise, they would have stayed at six or, or moved up to four to get a different guy. So they like Hurts better than Fields. They like Hurts better than Lance. And they like Hurts better than Mac Jones. So that's huge. Um, and then, they, like Sam said, they also picked up an extra first. So uh, I personally believe Hurts is going to get at least two years unless this year is just an absolute total disaster and meltdown. Uh, 
if he shows significant improvement and growth from week one to now what week 18, uh, they have three first next year, essentially, because I believe Carson Wentz is going to play 75% of snaps. So they're going to have three 22 ones. And if there's that growth, as I said, they're, they're going to be able to get probably a Justin Ross, another O-line, uh, a, some, somebody else, and they can really build this offense up. And not to mention now that they moved away from Wentz, they have, I believe it's 60-something million in cap space next year. DJ Shark is a free agent. Uh, like Some other guys I can't think of off the top of my head. This, this next year's free agent class is also really good. So 2022 Eagles could seriously push for a division title and maybe even a, a second round uh, playoff uh, divisional round type berth. So it's exciting. Uh, I believe he improves, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of hit that on the nail on the head, man. Um, I was going to say, if you're in dynasty and you got the one Oh two, just please hold it. Do not trade it away right now for rookie draft because everybody's already getting hyped about the 49, uh, 49ers moving up to three whatever quarterback they end up taking is immediately going to be in consideration. Like you said, Matt, for the one oh one. So one oh one, one oh two, you'd be sitting there, either Lawrence or whatever the 49ers quarterback is. I know I've already seen it on Twitter. The argument against the 49ers is, oh, well, they don't do a, a bunch of pass attempts. Well, it's going to be one of the more mobile quarterbacks. So we got to remember Konami, uh, Konami code quarterbacks. He's going to be able to rush. He's going to be able to get the production that way. Plus while the pass attempts are down, He's got elite weapons who know how to create yards after the catch as well with Devo, Ayuk, and Kittle. So it's easily worth holding the 102. Whatever you're offered now, don't take it unless it is just a massive overpay because they're probably going to be willing to spend more if it doesn't already fill your need at 102 come time for the rookie draft. Uh, with Dolphins, I don't know. I've been kind of racking my head around that one as far as why they moved back up to six. And I don't know if it's so much as a weapon as maybe they might be taking more of like a Cowboys approach going back, depending on what the Falcons do. If the Falcons end up trading back, we could see four, uh, four quarterbacks go the first four picks. We've already heard the rumors about Chase going up five. That still leaves the very top offensive tackle who they may have already been considering at the two or at the three spot. And now they may be able to pick him up Sewell at six. So I've been thinking maybe that might be the path they go because we know this is a deep loaded receiver class there's a good possibility they might try to go back and get one now at the late first and then back in the early second as well. And then with the Eagles, I mean, man, the fantasy scouts, I know this is pretty much what everybody in the group has been wanting. It just hurts to have a chance in 2021, see what he can do around the team. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a two-year situation like you were talking about, but it's easily going to be for 2021. They're going to put some weapons around him because if he's end up not being the guy, you got three 22 picks. There's a couple quarterbacks already looking good for that class. They got the ammunition to move up. Now, if needed, I think Hurts is going to be fine. If you can still get him cheaper, it's well worth it because he's going to be great for fantasy. I think he's going to be great for the rest of it. I don't know what receiver, but they're probably going to go receiver at 12 now. I, I don't think they go receiver. I think they go tackle. You think so? Slater. You think Slater is going to be there at 12, though? I, I think uh – -huh. I think I think Sewell and Slater would both be there at 12. Interesting. I think, Andrew, I think you made a good point uh, because they – I hadn't considered the Dolphins considering uh, Penny Sewell there, but I don't feel like they needed a trade up if they were getting a weapon. So that's an interesting point to consider that they could I, be looking at tackle. I was talking to somebody, uh, I think it was two or three days ago, 
who is very connected to the draft process. Now I'm not going to say that he knows everything and exactly what a team is thinking, but he said that he, he would bet a significant amount of money that Sewell falls out of the top 10. And I have, I have heard a lot of people that are, are also close with, you know, the, the situation that think that Slater's maybe as good or better of a prospect, which is interesting because all we've heard is Sewell high for the last year, but now it seems like Slater's interesting to a lot of teams. See, we, we always, you know, we, we talked about a few weeks ago how you need to be, you know, patient with guys like Chase and uh, some of these other skilled players that sat out a year because they're not going to step on the NFL field week one and just ball out right away. You know, there's, there's that adjustment period of not playing for a year. Uh, is there an adjustment period for a position like tackle? Because Sewell didn't play last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's an adjustment period for every position, but – um, Sewell will absolutely be a top end pick. Um, I'd bet money on that. Um, because if he's there like seven teams are coming up to get him. Um, okay, that's fair. The current draft will, I think, Sam, you said you'd bet money on it, but Matt, your guy said that they would bet a significant amount of money on it the other way. So, am I uh sensing a bet here, Looming? No, because I'm I don't, I'm not the one with any information. Matt's already <laughs> giving me a, a bunch of money already. Because if, if you guys are a part of the Discord, you saw Matt and I's conversation from I think it was earlier today. Uh, Matt is just giving away money. So I mean, if uh, <laughs> um, anyways, um, I mean Matt and I already have a couple bets, so there's no need to have a few more financial bets. Um, Fair enough. But uh, I Sewell will be going in the top ten, and I think. The Bengals need to take him or Slater. They have got to protect Joe, um, you know, and then go get like an Amon or a St. Brown in round two or an Elijah Moore or somebody. Um, but, I mean, Kyle Pitts is great, um, but uh, you got to protect him because, like I said on Twitter the other day, it doesn't matter who you have the ball, who you have to throw the ball to if you don't have time to get it to him. Let's go ask Andrew Luck. So that's where I'm at with that at least. I think everyone in the world agrees with you and everyone would say that he's supposed to go there. But at what point ever in history, have you looked at the Bengals franchise and been like, yes, they're run correctly. Now you have Zach Taylor, who I don't think he's that good of a head coach. He might know his X's and O's, but I've, I've just been so many questionable things. I mean, it just feels like he's going to take Jamar chase. That's kind of what's been leaked around, you know? And then they, they signed, like I said, they, they signed, uh, they have Jonah Williams at left tackle. They signed Riley Reef to play right tackle. So you're kicking one of those guys in, or Sewell plays guard, or Slater plays guard. And then well, Sewell, the best part about Sewell, though, is he's dynamic and athletic enough. He can play guard, and he said he would play guard if a team wanted right. him to. Well, then maybe. And then I know that they're also sniffing around the bush for, uh, what is it, Alejandro Villanueva to potentially sign him. So, I mean, it feels like they're, they're attacking the O-line and free agency. It just doesn't feel like they're going to go there, even though I think they should. I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I agree. They sh- they should be going the O line, but who knows if they'll do the correct thing? I'm I'm most I'm most intrigued by well, I'm intrigued by all of these trades for sure. But I had to laugh when people uh, Mac Jones going at three to the Niners just makes me chuckle a little bit. I mean, why would they trade up to get 
another Jimmy Garoppolo. It just doesn't make sense to me. But really, I don't know why the Dolphins moved back up from 12. Even if you're targeting a specific playmaker, it just seems odd, especially to do it right now. But I'm excited for the Eagles, as you guys mentioned. Hertz is the guy, and I like their approach here. I think they did the right thing. So pretty sound logic from them. Um, let's turn our heads to free agency again. Um, just give me a guy that you feel like improved, um, his stock through free agency and, and a guy who's, who's, uh, value kind of fell a little bit or tumbled through free agency, Matt. Well, I think the, the Sam would say the low hanging fruit, the obvious choice would be, I think not, especially since there's been a trade, but you know, Jalen Hurts' stock improved. I thought I didn't appreciate that they were at least considering Zach Wilson, you know, but the flacking, uh, the, the flacking, the signing of Joe Flacco, I think, <laughs> I think, I think signaled that, you know, uh, I wrote in my, my recent article, the free agency fallout 2021. It's like, you know, you don't sign Joe Flacco to be your quarterback three for $4 million. That doesn't make any sense if you draft a guy. And then Jalen is, better than Flacco at this period. So then does Jalen become the QB three? It just, none of it made sense. I just kind of, his stock came up. Um, one of the guys I tweeted about, it was, I think it was yesterday. I think Corey Davis's stock fell. Uh, you know, like we discussed a few weeks ago, um, you know, he has to face three of the top corners in the league a combined six times a year. He's going to have either Dar- Darnold or Zach Wilson throwing to him or a combination of the two, who knows? Uh, plus the shadow coverage, I not, you know, I know Sam and I have discussed before, you know, we're not entirely sure what year two for Mims is going to look like. So you're wondering who else they're going to be throwing the ball to. I just, I think his stock fell. Uh, and then, and then somebody's stock I'm still, I'm, I'm still questioning would be Curtis Samuel. Um, I, I think he's going to, I think for me right now, his stock is, relatively the same i don't think it's gone down but i definitely think it has the potential to go up uh i just i don't know what's going to happen because i remember when he first signed there was a bunch of people like oh this hurts uh antonio gibson's uh stock this hurts terry mclaurin's stock and i was like i don't i don't think so i feel like the only stock that's really hurting here is probably jd mckissick uh terry mclaurin's still gonna get his um curtis samuel should get his i mean in theory you know projecting forward he should he should finish you know as a top 30 top 36 wide receiver my only thing about it is though is that he now has the same staff in washington for the most part that he had in carolina and in carolina we were always talking about how he was underutilized and wasn't used correctly so maybe the second time around here in washington he is utilized correctly so i i'm I'm more of a wait and see but i am i'm definitely optimistic about all right i'll jump in here um i got the the low hanging fruit of the guy whose stock got hurt is Josh Jacobs. I'm not going to talk about that. We talked about that last week. And if you have an IQ, um, you know why. Um, you know why I feel that way. Um, and I think everybody on earth understands that. Um, I think, and I, I know Matt still is iffy on me with this one, um, especially because it's been a hot conversation in the past 24 hours. I think somebody whose stock went up quite a bit um, was Russell Wilson. And I say that um, not because, you know, the offensive line or not because of the offensive coordinator scheme changes or bringing in Gerald Everett, who's a weapon or 
um, re-signing two of their guys and re-signing Chris Carson, um, Gabe Jackson. And I know people are like, well, who is that? Uh, he's arguably a top five guard in the league, and they went and got him. They went and traded a lot for him. Um, and he last year he played 1,062 snaps and gave up zero sacks. So, I mean, you're going to put Gabe Jackson in there. He's an athletic, versatile dude who can, you know, roll out with the pocket. So, Russell Wilson's going to have a lot of cover. And then, you know, and that's going to make a large difference, you know. And then he got his boy back, and he's got some more weapons and stuff. So, like, Russell Wilson is someone I'm excited about. Um, and then, you know, I think another another, another winner uh, – um, This is very frustrating to me, um, and you'll understand why. Um, I, another winner for free agency was Leonard Fournette. Um, and I say that, and everybody just looked at me like, oh, God. Um, but I say that because in the playoffs, he looked great. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say he didn't. I mean, I still think Ronald is the better player. But I think it's very apparent that Leonard is the guy that, you know, Bruce and – um, Tom really want to be the guy. So he'll be the, probably the starter and rotate with Ronald. But I think, you know, Leonard, where he's at and what his upside is, the offense being the presumed starter, getting the goal line work and rotating in is a valuable asset. And the cost you'll pay for him is not very much. And, you know, when if something happens to Rojo or even, you know, um, Vaughn for whatever he's worth, not much, but if anything happens to one of those two guys, you'll have a workhorse um, who you know knows the offense and somebody you know who they trust. Like Bruce Arian trusts Leonard Fournette. Um, I don't really know why, but he does. Um, and so does Tom Brady. So I think Leonard Fournette, you know, re-signing, he did that one-year deal, another chance to bring it back and run it back and um, have the opportunity to go into the next season saying, Hey, look, I'm still fresh. I'm still young. Give me a big fat contract for long-term. I think Leonard Fournette set himself up nicely. Plus he has the opportunity to go get a second ring. Um, the actual talent is a different conversation, but volume, I think it'll be in Leonard Fournette's favor. Fair enough. I was actually was going to mention Ronald Jones as, someone whose stock had definitely gone down because of Fournette signing just because we're going to have that timeshare happening again. Uh, just, I guess, speaking of stocks that went down, I know there's a lot of high hopes and it hasn't changed for me, but I know for a lot of people, um, we've seen people get a little bit lower on their stock of where they had Claypool or Deontay Johnson. Not saying it's right, but it's actually been nice seeing that dip because I watched Claypool and Deontay normally going right there the end of, Round four, start around five in most startups. The signing of Juju coming back was early on in this startup I was in, and I was able to get Claypool, watch him drop all the way to 6'11". So it's actually a good value dip for those who still believe in his talent because we saw what he did last year. He definitely looks like the receiver two, if not potentially the receiver one of the team moving forward, depending on just basically production, not based off volume by itself. So – It'll be interesting seeing the stock went down, but also it's a good opportunity to buy it. Um, outside of that, a guy whose stock I also thought went down a little bit was Chris Carson. I know a lot of people were excited, thought he might have a chance to go somewhere and actually break out as a true number one guy. There's no 
worry about Rashad Penny or anything else. I know a bunch of people were looking forward to potentially putting him up there with uh, Josh Allen and Buffalo and just seeing what that looked like with those two in the backfield together. And so that was, that was some of the main guys I saw going down on stock. Not saying I agree with every single one of them, but uh, flipping that, going for guys I saw stock going up. Aaron Jones obviously was a huge winner returning back to the Packers. Anyone who's thought, man, this guy's value is going down, like they got a huge steal if they got him early because we know what he is with the Packers. He'll be probably a top five back again. Based off production, as long as the dude's staying healthy. And then what was the other guy I was thinking about? Yeah, I guess it was just uh, Terry McLaurin. Seeing him with an actual potential capable quarterback, hoping that Fitzpatrick can stay healthy for the full season. I'm excited to see what he can do compared to that situation from what we've seen with him in the past. He's got all the talent in the world. I think Sam will just take a little bit of the edge off of the defense. And I think the dude's going to be awesome. I think if you got him low, you're going to be looking real good to play some every single week as one of your two receiver slots, or one of your three receiver slots. Yeah. So yeah. I, go ahead, Matt. I, I just want, I just wanted to address what you said about, about the, the Steelers. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I've already begun my research on Claypool and what the Steelers are looking to do because Claypool and Deontay were two of my guys last year. So I'm keeping very close tabs on them. Uh, I, I just want to go ahead and say this now because I've been finding some really interesting stuff. Uh, do not think that just because they re-signed Juju, the, the snap share and the splits are going to look the same again this year. They're not. Uh, there's a very, very good chance as of today, Claypool is going to be their true number one with Deontay playing the two and Juju is going to be the one that's looking at a barely a 60% snap share. He's going to be on the back burner of the wide receiver three. So Andrew's totally right. If somebody in your league is like, damn, they re-signed Juju. Let me go sell either Deontay or Claypool. You need to jump on that like white on rice uh, because I, Juju's there for one year. Uh, I, I think he's legitimate trade deadline uh, candidate. Uh, and, and he's not going to step back in as their you know, third down guy or whatever. They want to run the ball more and they're going to run more two wide out sets with McFarland a lot in, in the slot as well as the H back. So it's Claypool, it's Deontay, and then there's a pretty decent tier gap, I think, and then there's Juju in Washington. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of one of the questions I was going to ask because I thought Claypool was a guy on the surface who comes off as a kind of free agency loser, but they clearly didn't prioritize Juju. So it makes a lot of sense that his snap share would be the one and to drop in that offense. Just, just to the naked eye, I mean, we saw him play last year. It's just how can you keep him on the sidelines for another year? It, it makes no sense. He clearly makes your offense better. Yeah, definitely. Um, some of the free agency losers I had were, you know, Jacobs, obviously, and then Lamar Jackson is one. We're going to talk about the Ravens a little bit, but at it, Andrew's looking at me weird. Just save your thoughts for later, but – I guess I was expecting or, or hopeful for them that they could add somebody not named Sammy Watkins to their receiver room. Uh, but David Johnson is another one. Um, wasn't super interesting to me regardless, but they added Ingram and Philip Lindsay. And I just, that whole running back room is kind of gross to me. Um, Winners, some of the same names that you guys had. Uh, Terry McLaurin's my big one. I, I spoke about him um, already. You guys know how I feel about him. 
a little surprised, Matt, that you didn't name Michael Pittman as a winner, but I think he's in there. And then Andrew, I would have expected you to bring up your boy, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I think obviously the chiefs let go of Williams and I don't think he was going to be a huge threat anyways, but they just don't have a viable RB two really. I mean, go ahead, Matt. James Robinson, also a winner. Both Another coach, one. Both the head coach and the GM came out and said he's the guy, and then they signed Carlos Hyde, and they and they said he's purely a complimentary role. So, Yep, I was going to mention him, too, as one that I uh, expected to be brought up, but obviously we've talked about him a lot. Um, a couple guys that I think are maybe later round targets for you. I've mentioned Quintez Cephas. I thought he was a big winner in that the Lions only added Perriman and uh, – Geez, I don't even remember. Who else did they add another? Uh, it was Tyrell Williams, but Tyrell the reality Williams, is yeah. you, they're going to draft they're, somebody. They're adding somebody in the draft. They're going to draft so somebody. Do, yeah, what you need to do is go trade anybody who's catching football is not named TJ Hawkinson in Detroit right now. And then I whoever they draft. Because I disagree. Even uh, Quintus Sebas is going to get an opportunity. Yeah, that well, that's why I said I said I mentioned Perriman. I just couldn't remember okay. Williams, but even if I know, I'm like they're obviously going to draft somebody, but you know, unless I, I, it's I think they're Jamar taking at seven. I think they're going wide receiver at seven. But here's the thing, and that's exactly it. Is right now the perceived value for most people is one of those two guys is the guy, and they were big free agency winners because when week one comes around and they are not relevant, you could have cashed out like. Middle tier players who have perceived value in the offseason are the kind of guys you should be auto selling. Somebody, if somebody is coming to you and buying Brashad Perriman, take it and run. If someone's coming to you and go, Hey, what do you want for Quez Watkins? You Quez sell Watkins him. Plays for the right. Eagles. What? Quez Watkins plays for the Eagles. Quintez Sivas well, plays for the Lions. But yeah, well, that's Sivas how relevant doesn't... he is. Quintus Quintus, Quez, Quez, I mean, Watkins is a great bench stash. Quintus, yeah, I know you like him, Matt, but Quintus, you, you get the point. If it, it, yeah, for sure. It, if you right now they have perceived value, oh, they're the only guys there. They got to catch footballs. They're not going to be the only ones there. And if somebody actually believes that they're going to be good for fantasy, take them on that. Oh, dude, Perriman just got a contract. You know, he's he showed potential with Tampa. He was stuck with Gase last year, man. Oh, he's a good deal right here, right now. And then you take that third-round pick and you laugh to the bank as you're going to jail. Yep. I agree. You sell Williams and Perriman at the drop of the and I don't think anybody believes that those two are – going to be relevant but Cephas actually has some upside and he'll get an opportunity this year Cephas is a good player like he made some plays last year and yeah but here's the, guy, the thing when he came into the league Jeff Okuda literally said he was the toughest before they were teammates his teammate Jeff Okuda said he was the toughest wide receiver in all of college football to cover yeah if you're but, Cephas, but here's the thing one is, I'd, I'd want to gauge a legitimate value on but like Sam yeah, said if, the rest the rest of the guys, just whatever falls into the inbox, just accept it. Plus, I have yeah. I own Cephas in, like, all of my leagues. He doesn't really have any value. And nobody's going to give you more yeah. than, like, a super late-round pick. We, you're just going to draft another Quintess Cephas this year. I mean, yeah, if you can get a second-round pick for him, sure. But you're not going to get anything of real value. I think that's my point, Sam. Like, he's worth what you do. But here, what you do, and if you follow me on Patreon and all my tips and tricks, is you take one of those 4,500 fifth-round picks that you've stashed and take that fifth and Quintez Cephas and go trade him for a third-round pick. 
But that's here's the thing: is going into the season. Okay, let's assume they draft somebody because they have to, right? So you want the rookie, you know, Jamar Chase, Pitts, Elijah Moore, Waddle, you know, somebody like that. TJ Hawkinson, right? And then the third pass catching option for a run heavy Detroit Lions, Jared Goff run team. Is that really somebody you want to have on your bench and say, oh, please, God? Like, seriously, like, I want the guy they draft at seven, and that's it. If they, okay, unless they don't draft somebody at seven, right? Unless, unless it's Hawkinson or Swift. Hawkinson, Swift, and the wide receiver at seven. Those are the only three guys I care about. Even if they draft somebody in the second round. I, if yeah, they take Elijah yeah. Moore in the second round, yeah, yep, I'll take yeah. Elijah. I don't want anybody not named those two names we just named and then the future name because if you're relying on the third or fourth receiving option on a Nobody bad – says you're relying on them. Nobody's saying you're relying on them. But that's a, yeah, that is a I'm bench in, We're in dynasties with 30 spots. Like, you got to fill that out with guys, guys that are – Yeah, but they have to have – that is a bench clogger. That is the definition of a bench clogger. And that's when you look at your team and go, oh, well, what do I do with this piece of junk? Oh, well, nobody wants him. I guess I release well, him. I don't think Quintez is junk. I think he's the only one right now that's going to have any viable. I honestly think it's him and whoever else they draft. I think those are your one-two names. And that's why you cash out now. And if you can get, you know, if you take a fifth and a um, Quintez Cephas and take a third, and then you draft, you know, like um, – somebody in the third that you really like, like that is how you operate because you can't rely on, you know, like right now, like he's got perceived value, whether or not he actually has real value is a different thing, which is why you take like him and one of the fifth round picks or fourth round picks that you have and trade him for a third, maybe you find a sucker, you know, a second or something like, I mean, those deals are out there. You have to be shopping because you have these deep end bench pieces that you're going to replace year after year. The, what you do with them is capitalize at certain points of the year when you have the opportunities, when everybody's drooling over this and that, and you know, people are hyping people up on Twitter, you take advantage of the hype. And right now there is some hype. So that's why you take them and move. It's so tough to gauge though, because it's like, you know, let's say you trade them for the 309 or the 310, whatever it is. And then you get to that spot and you're like, damn, I really don't like who's here. I wish I would have kept Cephas. It's just, it's, it's it's such a weird spot because, I mean, if Cephas is anything more than your wide receiver four, then you drafted wrong to start with or traded away somebody you shouldn't have. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but, I own him as, in as far as, a lot as, of my deep – yeah. As far yeah. as like Chad is saying, you know, your, your wide receiver six, seven, eight, you know, looking for the potential high upside, I mean, that's what that bench guy is. I'm not sure that the guy at 310 is going to be any better. So he's the one guy that I would – actually maybe counter on, engage in legitimate discussions, build somewhat of a bigger package. Around. But every year, and like you say, oh, there might not be somebody sitting there at 310 or whatnot. Like that is more than what you would have. Like that is more than what Cephas is worth. And if he doesn't hit, you're back to where you started with Cephas because Cephas isn't going to be a viable option, but there's that opportunity, you know, like if third round in 2019, you could have landed a Terry McLaurin. I mean, these guys are always available that, that hit out of the blue is a rookie that you're like, okay, dang, I got lucky. Then who's to say Cephas, like you're already declaring Cephas as just worthless. Why? Well, I'm saying, with the number of receiving options and the potential, he is a his potential is a meh kind of player. This like yeah, I mean like he could be a valuable player, but the odds are stacked against him. If you want to play the odds 
and shoot for higher upside. I would rather chase a guy who could be a potential two in, um, you know, Cincinnati. I don't know compared to the potential three or four in Detroit. Like you're playing the numbers here. Like everybody always rips on me because I'm anti-analytics. I'm anti-analytics when it comes to telling me a player is bad. So I roll with the numbers and take the shots to be aggressive because if you're saying, oh, well, Cephas can be a viable piece, you know, good for you. But if you're taking that and going, oh, well, I can hit a grand slam with a third round pick, you got to shoot for the stars because the, if you build your team right, you have this solid core where, you know, you've got the depth, you've got upside, so then you can take the back-end pieces like Cephas and shoot for the stars. And then even one of them hit, one of them turned into a Terry McClure and James Robinson, you've struck gold, and your team is 100 times better than it would ever been with Quintez Cephas. I just think think you're situational. Yeah. Like I just think in this particular situation, you're assuming that it doesn't matter who it is. The three, whatever the four, whatever is just better than Cephas. I'm not assuming anything. I'm saying the potential, like the potential. What's the potential with Cephas? Because I don't think the lions are are reshaping their entire wide receiver room in 21. I think they add one, maybe two more guys. Cephas already has a year in the system or ahead of the other two. There's a yeah, there's, there's a no year dominates in training camp, and they're like, wow, we got to get this guy the ball. And then yeah. I mean, I'm not Look saying right. it's a good chance, but, but like, he's that. worth a flyer, just everybody, like a lot of these other late round. Everybody guys. right now in Detroit is on zero. Nobody has a year in the system. It's a new system. Everybody's been replaced. Well, a, a year in the league. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, you know, that's not as big of an advantage as people think. I mean, like, I, I, that, that's just how I operate with the back end of my benches where I shoot for the stars. And that's why people don't like to trade with me because they know what I'm doing. And it works out for me more than it doesn't. Because like, year after year, you know, you'll hold someone like uh, Jalen Rager. You could trade him right now for a late first, early second and start over if you had concerns about Jalen Rager. Like, would you rather have Jalen Rager or Kenny Gainwell? Depends on anybody. It's Ross. It depends on the roster construction. I have no idea. I think their upside's about the same in their respective position. That's like because Rager, technically, we could call him a free agency winner because the team didn't add anybody and they moved their draft pick back to 12. And I still don't think they take a receiver at 12. So I think they take someone in the second, but they don't have a very good track record of drafting in the second round or first round because Jalen Rager hasn't hit. our Sega white side's a huge bust. Hey, you know, Hurts was a second round pick. <laughs> yeah. Right, Regardless, so I think uh, the intention was not to talk about Quintess Seafood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more so just pointing out uh, that he's interesting. I think the other guy I was going to mention is Michael Hardman, but they'll probably draft somebody too. So um, let's oh, not go down no, that yeah. rabbit hole. I know. I just. I get, <laughs> Quintez, or I mean, uh, McCall Hardman is another drug that I just... They should just trade the 31st overall pick for Odell Beckham Jr. That would be... That'd be fun. I could sit here and talk about that for another 30 minutes, but I think we should move on to T. Higgins because the hype is getting very, very high with him, and I want to know if you guys think it's getting out of control because we just talked about the likelihood of them drafting chase or you know one of these main offensive weapons at uh fifth overall we know that they offered kenny galladay a contract um it seems that they're not content 
just standing pat with him and Boyd and, and Auden Tate and Drew Sample as their main targets. So I think I really like T. Higgins, but I'm interested in shopping him around some before they pick, uh, you know, another wide receiver at five. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. What do you think, Sam? Um, I, I think I see people saying he's a top five dynasty wide receiver and he's not, that's overvaluing him. Um, he's a great player, blue chip prospect, you know, he produced without Joe Burrow, but the reality is they want to bring somebody else in who's an alpha and they've made that apparent, um, which would obviously be a direct blow. Um, like if they draft like Pitts or chase, you know, it, that's an immediate blow. Um, I think right now, if you can get like, I don't want to say sell T Higgins, but if you're, if people are believing that hype and you can get multiple first round picks this year and, you know, maybe something next year, you should take it. Um, he's a great player. He was my wide receiver three last year. I love him. I think he's a stud, but he's an example of Twitter getting overexcited. Um, so I think his right now he, he's currently being overvalued. Um, but you also have to take that risk where if they go to the draft and they don't draft somebody, that cost of T Higgins will go up even more. People will go berserk if they don't draft somebody. So you're playing with fire with him. Um, I love T Higgins. I, I won him on all my teams, but right now I won't pay what people are asking because it's pretty outrageous. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, I do not have him in my top five. I would not put him in my top ten right now because, one, we got to see where Burrow is coming in in 2021. I know this is mostly talking about dynasty rankings this anyway, but I just see too many guys that I would prefer putting over T. Higgins right now for my dynasty rankings to push him up that high with our known current situation. We know the team is looking to add another weapon. It could be Chase. It could be Pitts at five. Uh, Pitts again seems more unlikely, but it easily they could turn around in the second and go, all right, let's add another guy because there's going to be several receivers right there. I know for sure we can pretty much declare Tyler Boyd is the receiver three moving forward, it seems like, with the way the team's going. But I don't know if we can depend on a second-year Burroughs coming off an injury to get anyone even into the top 12 as a finish. I know Higgins is a great – target for the red zone I know they wanted to look at that more going forward with them but I just I don't see it if they bring in another rookie I don't think his value is going to be anywhere except for right around receiver 15 which is about where I have him just on that outside kind of looking in because I think the new guy is also just going to sit there and want to get the extra targets and it's just going to keep that ceiling play down yeah, I, I do agree with what everyone is, else has said. Um, you know, the hype is out of control relative to cost versus production and the potential guy that they'll add and all that other good stuff that comes with it. You know, I'm not going to advocate for selling Higgins. Uh, I think there's four guys from the 20 class I would rather have before him. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they do draft Chase uh, – that's what is it, what does it do for Higgins? You know, I mean, it's just like Sam said, one of those guys, Twitter's hyped up uh, to the, to the umpth degree. And, and here we are. And they offered, Sandra pointed out, Kenny Galladay a contract. Uh, they offered Juju Smith-Schuster a contract. 
Um, I'm sure they offered somebody else a contract. They might have even been poking around Curtis Samuel. Uh, I, I know they, they inquired about DJ Shark. So even if they don't take Chase at five, it's, it's a pretty good indication that they're going to take somebody in the top two rounds. So regardless, I think Higgins' value is going to drop. Uh, if somebody comes knocking on your door, hey, I'll give you two first. I think you smash accept and move on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's the the smash accept. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Quick side question. Okay, so I'm assuming you would say Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, and Chase Claypool ahead. Who's the fourth guy? I'll take Visca ahead of Higgins today. Okay, that was my side com- side conversation question. Yeah, those four. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't. No, if I agree, but we'll save that conversation. You may not have to day. agree now, but you will after the season. Oh, I love it. You know, I love this. I have Visca over Shark and uh, many others. So I love Visca, but I have Higgins. I have Higgins as my wide receiver three of last year's class, but I still. Because you have to project forward because I think they're moving in opposite directions. The Jaguars are, are moving on with Shark at some point in the next year or two. They're building around Visca as the premier wide receiver one while the Bengals have Boyd and Higgins, and they're looking to add another premier wide receiver. So I think they're moving in opposite directions as far as value and potential uh, production goes. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're right. I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that they're going to draft. I don't know. I'm just torn on what I see them doing at the top of the draft. Oh, the Bengals? The Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's just hard to believe, but anyways, if you can get the value for him as the, like a top five to 10 dynasty wide receiver, then that's where you sell him. If not, yeah, hang on to him, see what happens. And he's still going to be a good player. He just might not see the, you know, and, and I don't know if Burrow is going to throw for 40 times a game again. Like that's the other thing. So um we'll see mixon's back right so that's interesting uh will be an interesting offense to watch um speaking of another interesting offense the ravens they pretty much struck out on every wide receiver until sammy watkins um agreed to sign there and I, i mean sammy watkins we can debate his value all day but he's he hasn't been what anybody hoped he'd be. He was pretty much a second or third tier uh, wide receiver on the free agency market. So, Andrew, how do you feel about this passing attack? I think calling the, the offense interesting was a bad word when it comes to passing. <laughs> That's fair. Um, no, nah, it's, it's fine. I was going to say I'm not interested in Sam Watkins. I got rid of all that a long time ago. Actually, I was so tired of him. Like that, the second his game blew up, I was trying to sell him back in, oh gosh, I guess 2019. Nobody took the first one. Then he had a dud week, week two, of course, just typical fashion. So immediately I was like, look, if somebody wants him and one other guy on my bench, I'll immediately trade him for a pick. I think I got like the two or three from 2020. I was like, sold. Didn't even hesitate. Uh, Watkins is not somebody we're going to trust. Like I've said before, the only guys I really want for the Ravens right now it's, of course, your quarterback, Lamar, your J.K. Dobbins. And then the only pass catcher I'm still interested in at this point would be Mark Andrews because we know Lamar's going to love to work the middle of the field. He's going to get enough volume to be relevant as a top eight tight end, which is fine for me. That's going to keep me where I got a guy I can plug in each week. I don't have to worry about the position. I can focus on my receivers, my running backs, elsewhere on the, 
on the team. Uh, I just – I don't know what the heck this team's doing. Like, I don't know why they cannot change their offense just a little bit to make it where that passing game looks a little bit more appealing to anyone. It is rough. Can I ask you a question? And I, I think I probably know the answer, but I don't think it's as crazy as it sounds. Go for it. For just for this year, would you prefer Sammy Watkins or Marquise Hollywood Brown? I think that's actually kind of Hollywood Brown for the upside, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I know it's not a lovely pick, but man, if it's like a receiver five, receiver six type setup, yeah, I guess I'd probably go Hollywood Brown just because the staff actually bought in. They spent a first round pick. He's coming into year three, you know, year three breakouts used to be a big thing for receivers. And I think he was still recovering a little bit from injury last year and still learning his way around with a very weird year of restrictions with COVID. So I'm hoping get one more offseason chance. He might be a decent deep stash on a roster bench. For sure. I drafted him in a startup as my wide receiver five, I think. And I've been, I've written about him. I've not been a fan of his since he came out. I've been fading him all the way, but now I think it's to the point where his value is low enough where he's worth it as a wide receiver five, six, just as kind of a potential blow up guy. But I, I'm not interested in him at that high of a level, but if you can get him cheap enough, like he's just a good depth guy for uh big game potential is all. Yeah. All we heard all off season was how the Ravens were going to, uh, you know, adjust the passing attack. They were going to help Lamar out. You know, we were going to get a coach who's going to go to work. They were going to go out and sign a, the big bodied guy and stuff like that. And then they went out and signed a guy who was two inches taller than Marquise Brown. Like, it does, that's who cares? So what? Sammy Watkins is going to have his week one, or maybe not even week one. He's going to have a single week where he's going to go off for 30 to 40 points. And he's not going to do anything after that. I mean, I do not trust the development of Lamar Jackson passing. And I think there's a reason that the Ravens haven't signed him to an extension yet. They started talking about this months ago and usually stuff like this. Usually that Prescott was somewhat of uh, an outlier. Um, this stuff gets done somewhat quickly because, you know, he's your guy that that's, we're going to move on. Now I still think they ultimately signed him to an extension but I, I think it's somewhat telling uh, on the surface, at least, that he hasn't been signed yet. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're all on board uh, on trusting him that he, he develops as a pastor. I mean, we could just, I'm, I got to bring it back to him because people compare him to, to Jalen Hurts. I believe that Jalen Hurts will develop into a much better passer than Lamar Jackson will ever be in his entire career. Uh, so... I have no interest in Brown. I have no interest in Watkins. It's a very so what move. Good for them. They filled their their depth chart a little bit deeper. Yeah, but like Andrew said, as far as fantasy goes, it's it's Andrews, it's Jackson, it's Dobbins. Um, I want to jump in real quick. You said that it, it's telling that they haven't signed him to an extension. It's because they can't yet, um, and that's also why you know Josh Allen hasn't been extended. Um. Yeah, I mean, like Josh Allen's, they, like they, the, the Bills have said Josh Allen's is getting an extension this offseason. It'll probably be huge. Um, the Ravens have said they want to extend to Lamar. Um, I think with Lamar, personally, they should wait because I think the reason they struck out on every wide receiver, um, even T.Y. Hilton had said, you know, on the Pat McAfee show that 
he was five minutes away from being a Raven, but then had a gut feeling and changed his mind. Um, you know, they had Galladay. I mean, they offered everybody, Juju, Galladay, and they finally stuck Watkins, who Watkins' biggest issue in his career has been his health. And real quick, can anybody tell me, I know the answer to this, how old Sammy Watkins is? 27. 28? Who else going to say 27? He just turned 27. Okay. Which sounds stupid. He's been in the league for seven years. He's been in the league since he was 20 years old. I think he helps the offense um, if he when he's healthy. Um, I don't really have any interest in him. I mean, maybe he's the guy who helps Lamar develop, but I, I wouldn't bank on it. Um, I mean, he's going on his fourth team in seven years. Um, Bills, Rams, Chiefs, and now Ravens. There's anybody I forgot. But, you know... I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a better player for the team than he will be a fantasy asset, but I also don't think he'll be on the field very much because he's always hurt. So maybe you get 10 games out of him. You probably get like 45 receptions, like 600 yards, three touchdowns, nothing useful. Um, That's probably pretty realistic. So, you know, it's apparent that the Ravens want to get Lamar some help. Um, and it does not help Lamar knowing that Ronnie Stanley wants out. Um, Orlando, Orlando Brown, I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I said Ronnie. My bad on that. Um, Orlando Brown wants out. You know, so I I have concerns about Lamar. I've always had concerns about Lamar. I dropped that thread before the season talking about how I was worried about him, and it became true, and everybody roasted me for it. But – I don't see him developing much more. I think Sammy Watkins can help, but I don't think he helps very much. And for fantasy, I mean, the only guy I would want for fantasy would be Lamar um, and maybe J.K. Dobbins, but I have legitimate concerns about Dobbins' usage moving forward. Um, I think he'll be the starter, but I think it'll be really annoying with Gus Edwards. So I... I typically just avoid the Ravens for obvious reasons and they haven't given me much of reasons to be excited. And I don't think anybody should be really excited. There's something going on there that I don't know if it's somebody's attitude, whether it's one guy, a whole guy, a culture. I don't know if it's a coach or it's, it's Harbaugh, if it's a system, but like you alluded to, they offered several receivers, you know, big one-year deals, you know, $8 million, $9 million plus. And all these guys went somewhere else for a lot less money. So I feel like there's something happening. I think they see what we see. And even if they're getting less money elsewhere right now, knowing it's going to hurt their value heading into free agency next year. So they want to play in a higher volume offense. I mean, it's the reason I faded Hollywood Brown up until I had to, felt like I had to take him in that startup is because – I just don't trust Lamar Jackson. See, that's crazy to me to think that if that's truly all it is, just what other people, you know, hey, we're watching the Ravens on Sunday Night Football while we played earlier today kind of thing. We don't like their offense. We don't want to catch balls from Lamar. They don't throw a lot. If that's truly all it is, that's crazy to think because guys would usually take more money. So Yeah, that's true. I, but I, I wonder if, if we're seeing like a shift in, in player thought where it's like, I'd rather go out there and play and catch stuff than – 
make a few bucks less. Well, no, not necessarily, but I think their, their agents are probably telling them like it's going to hurt your value next year when you're looking for that long-term contract as opposed to just this one year. So take, so I wonder, you know, you, two, three million less this year and you'll make it up in your three-year contract next offseason. But then, but then do the Ravens see that and look internally and be like, if we sign Lamar to four or five more years, like no, no, that doesn't that doesn't automatically change. Do we believe that Lamar's going to get good enough for somebody to want to come actually here to play? If he's not, then there's no. I don't know how you justify signing him long term. Yeah, now it's an interesting question. They've got I to think, draft and develop some wide receivers, or I I don't know what they do. Uh, what they might take Bateman in the first. I mean, then he can't leave I think, for five years. I, and I think Bateman would be a good fit for that team. I think that would Seth Williams. Those type of guys. Mm-hmm. TJ Vasher might be fun as a you know fifth, sixth round flyer. Did you have something to add, Sam? I was just gonna say I think it's telling that the players don't want to play with Lamar. Um, Is it Lamar or the system? Oh, like it's system, personally, it's probably it's both. The the Lamar is the system, so. They're probably like, I don't want to go out there and catch three footballs a game while you run around. And the reality is, and I hate to say this, but Lamar is one knee injury away from not being a useful NFL player. I think, you know, I mean, like, I know that there's that narrative that, oh, running quarterbacks get hurt more often. They don't, but when they do, it's always like this. When they do, it's always a big knee injury, and they're never the same afterwards. So I – I have concerns about Lamar long-term, especially if he can't develop as a passer, and he is not. He is not developed as a passer. I mean, he's hard to watch when you're talking about throwing the football, and I think teams and other players see that, and that's why they're not trying to be like, oh, let's go play with the former MVP because they're like, oh, you can't really get the ball to me. So Sammy Watkins was desperate, and they make, they make it, they're going to make it work, I guess. It's just so tough because you watch the Ravens and you're like, Lamar Jackson is a damn good football player, but he sucks at playing quarterback. It's just yeah, it's, it's weird in between. Speaking of the the injuries, I mean RG three, right? And we actually saw him with a little bit more of the uh, passing at the NFL level. So mm-hmm. I'm worried about Lamar passing and on the injury front. And I just I agree. I mean I think we. We named the guys that you should have some interest in on this offense, but other than that, uh, it's not worth it. So I think uh, that's going to do it for our show today. Um, Thank you all for being here with us. I need you to remember two things. Visit the Patreon, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, and also stash Quintess Cephas on your bench. Thanks, everyone, (laughs) for being here with us on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.